The call to ministry is a call to prepare. The problem is that the options for theological training have often been inaccessible, overly expensive, or done in isolation. We believe we have an answer. Ohio Theological Institute exists to transform Northeast Ohio theological training for ministers and church leaders. OTI's unique programs are designed to equip you for your lay or vocational ministry. At OTI, you can pursue a certificate, undergraduate, or accredited master's degree without sacrificing your local ministry. With courses from hermeneutics to biblical languages, OTI can give you the tools you need to grow in your knowledge of God and His Word, as well as the practical skills to help you serve the local church as well. If you are serving in ministry in Northeast Ohio, OTI is here to serve you. You can apply today at ohiotheological.org or email us at info at ohiotheological.org. Full and partial scholarships are available. Ohio Theological Institute for Christ, His Church, and His Mission. What's up, ladies? Welcome to the Urban Christian Woman Podcast, where we seek to restore women with God's truth for everyday life. I'm Toshiba Oliver. And I'm Leah Ross. What is discipleship? Have you ever wondered how to do holistic discipleship? Why does discipleship matter in our culture? In this series, Discipleship You 101, we will hear from urban women Bible teachers doing real life discipleship in the urban context and are ready to bring us on in with truth and practical knowledge. Grab your tea, your coffee, and some paper because this series is going to bless your whole life. Welcome Welcome to to the the Urban Christian Christian Woman. Welcome back, ladies, to the Urban Christian Woman Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Leah Ross. What's up, y'all? What's up, y'all? It's so good to be here today. Yes, we are here in the middle of the Discipleship 101 series, yes, Discipleship You. Mm-hmm. And y'all, we have a amazing, amazing guest mm-hmm. today. We mm-hmm. have Dr. Sarita Lyons joining us today yes. to talk oh. about discipleship in the urban context. Mm-hmm. And I just, I'm so blessed by, by just uh, her ministry and I'm excited for y'all to hear from her. Um, I'm just going to give a little bit of an introduction, Dr. Sarita, and then you can share kind of what, uh, more about yourself with our listeners. Uh, Dr. Sarita Lyons is a wife, mother, speaker, women's Bible study teacher, and psychotherapist. She is on staff with Epiphany Fellowship Church as the Director of Community Life and Women's Ministry. Uh, prior to that, Dr. Lyons was in private practice for eight years in Philadelphia. She specializes in recovery from trauma, depression, anxiety, marital and family therapy, and counseling for church leadership. Mm. Dr. Lyons speaks, writes, and advocates about the intersections of faith, mental health, and justice. Y'all, this is going to be good, as well as women's issues inside and outside of the church. She is married to Mark and has four children. Um, and Dr. Sarita, your bio says you are a city girl with a country heart. And I'm like, I'm here for that. Toshiba is all the way here. I'm for always that. here for that, honey. Okay. <laughs> I love so it. I know I it's going to be a good time. I, know. I love the city. Yeah. But, you know, I always dream of living on a farm one day, right? <laughs> okay. Okay. So I love the mix. I love the mix. Actually, I wish I could live like so I could get to the city quickly have a lot of land, but also be near the beach. You, you know what plan? Check, check, okay, check. okay, okay. That's okay. it. That's for me. But thank you so much for yes, welcome. and for having me today. Mm-hmm. Yes, we are so grateful to have you. Yeah, today, I sure. mean, would you share a little bit of your heart of how you came into the role that you did, uh, that you are, and um, what discipleship means to you and how that inter- sort of interacts with what you do now? Sure, and the, my role at Epiphany Fellowship? Mm-hmm. Okay, so yeah, that's really a fun, interesting story that really just shows 
the providence of God and how he works his sovereign plan in all of our lives. So um, as you all read through the bio, I have my doctorate degree in clinical and forensic psychology. So I was in private practice, you know, serving as a lay leader in the local church. My husband and I have been at Epiphany. I didn't like me. I wasn't uh, coming to the church to work. Mm-hmm. I was a member, right? And mm-hmm. serving in women's ministry, not leading women's ministry, uh, serving with marriage ministry, doing premarital, uh, pre-engagement counseling and things like that. And so I'm in my private practice and uh, Dr. Eric Mason, who's the pastor, just reached out to me and, you know, believed that the Lord was making some changes within women's ministry, asked if I would lead women's ministry. And mm. then after several years, uh, a few couple years of leading women's ministry, he asked if how I would feel about coming on full-time staff at the church. Mm-hmm. So what is really interesting, and I think this is important because so much about discipleship is like how we think and the biblical lens in which we think and cultivating all of that. I have to say, after spending 11 years working on a law degree mm. and also working on my PhD, wow! at that time being in private practice for only seven years, Right. So, you know, mm-hmm. I, was, it's, I, I had been in private practice less time than I had it been trained to prep for it. Right. Right. To be in private practice. And I still hadn't figured out why God told me to get the law degree. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> right. So so what I what what I knew immediately after praying and just processing what the call was. Right. Because mm-hmm. if you ask the Mason, um, Uh, extending the call, but it was really a call from the Lord. Mm -hmm. I knew unequivocally that this was something from God, right? That God Mm -hmm. was calling me to leave my private practice and to come serve at the local church. Mm -hmm. Um, What my flesh had to do was catch up with the call Mm -hmm. because as in, in my humanness, you know, I wanted to be possessive. I wanted to take all, it's my private practice. You know, mm-hmm. I've worked so long and so mm-hmm. hard. I've got my education mm-hmm. and, and come on, I'm making good money. I'm on I'm now. Mm-hmm. And I know, come on, I know, I know Epiphany love me, but I know they can't afford me. I'm thinking to myself, <laughs> come talk on, about Jesus. this. You know, you know what I'm saying? So I'm like, wait, God, okay, I hear the call, but I now have to wrestle through mm. what it means to lay your life down for God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Urban ministry and serving in the local church, all that sounds cute on paper uh-huh. until you got to die. Come right? on now. It has to be an actual sacrifice. And so what God was resounding in my own heart and spirit was lay your Isaac down. Mm. And see, Isaac, Mm-hmm. Come, teach us, Come teach on, us today. Teach us. Isaac was the promise. Isaac was the son that mm. was promised to Abraham to begin the trend and the and the fulfillment of the the nation of God that would be outnumbered that would outnumber the stars in the mm. same right. And so, and, and Isaac was what came after they didn't trust the original promise. Mm. So, you know, you know, the story they had Ishmael. Yes, and so now it's like, okay, God is faithful, mm-hmm. but now he's saying, kill Isaac, put him on an altar. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't, I'm sure that didn't make sense to Abraham. It didn't make sense to me mm-hmm. when God was saying, close the practice, but God was saying, Isaac didn't really belong to Abraham and that practice doesn't really belong to you. Come on now. Mm. Come on. And and what, what we have to do as Christians, what I had to work through was 
being sensitive to the Holy Spirit to know that the Holy Spirit was calling me, but then deal with the reality that we wrestle in our flesh when the call comes. Mm. And so, but, but my feet, but see, I am not a slave to my feelings. Come on. I had a lot of feelings, but I'm not a slave to my feelings. I'm a servant of God. And so what we do as Christians, we're often mm-hmm. constantly in the faith doing the opposite of how we feel. Mm-hmm. We have new minds, new thinking mm-hmm. that translates into new behavior. And then eventually our feelings put on track shoes and catch up. See, mm-hmm. all I had to do was first agree with God that he was speaking to me, that, mm-hmm. that he was calling me. He told Abraham, come out, leave your father's house and go mm-hmm. to a place that I will show you. Yes. So we just have to trust God enough to know that he's always behind the scenes, lovingly, graciously, powerfully working his plan and will for the world. And we're just a small piece of it. Yes. So when we do that, when we lay down the Isaac, we do it with faith. Mm -hmm. Right. We do it with contentment. Mm -hmm. We do it with trust Mm -hmm. and we do it honored that God would decide to use little old men. Mm-hmm. But see, I'm a wretch. Mm-hmm. I don't know about y'all. Y'all look pretty. Mm-hmm. Y'all, I know. I know. In in this thing, no good mm-hmm. dwells. Okay? Come on, come on, come on now. So, but but it. Let me just tell you, there is nothing. That's why the script, obedience is better than sacrifice. Yeah. Let me just tell you, there has been nothing more um, that mm. has impacted my own growth and sanctification in recent years than doing work at the local church. Mm-hmm. People write about church. People write about women, people speak on it, there are conferences about it, but not everybody's in the trenches. Yes, ma'am. I'm grateful for the call to the front line. I am grateful for the honor of partnering with God's people and his mission, Mm -hmm. right? His redemptive plan, his plan of restoration and revival and renewal in a place that's like Lodabar, Mm -hmm. in a desolate place, in a place that has been forgotten. And listen, like God has brought you to a place so that God's Christ can be incarnated. Yes, ma'am. I forgot. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Come on. Can something good come out of it? And so really God is up to great things in Philly. He's up to great things in my own life and heart. And it is a joy. And I haven't looked back and it is with excitement and thanksgiving that I have been working at Epiphany Fellowship. It'll be three years in July. Mm -hmm. And I love it. And the people I get to work with. Mm. That's awesome. Mm. That's a whole story. It was a whole story. But listen, it was a whole shepherding story. It it was a whole shepherding story because I think one of the challenges is that either you have individuals, um, especially in this generation, millennials, as well as with Generation Z, they sort of are like, no, I want to do mission or I want to I want to be in all of these spaces or I want to just push myself. Not to say that pursuing a career outside of the context is not missional. It is. Mm-hmm. But some of us are really dealing with some real strong idols and the Lord can't even get with us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? To do his work because we're holding on to things. And so just the the conversation of obedience, obedience and hearing what I hear from you as well is your, your ear was attuned to the Lord. There's this thread that is happening as we have had conversations with um, other, other women through this series of, are you even hearing the Lord, hearing the voice of God? And so, so that you can obey. Mm -hmm. And, And what it takes for you to be able to discern 
mm-hmm. the voice of God and mm-hmm. then submit to it because I think people are hearing a lot of things and God stamping it. We're hearing our own agendas. We're hearing mm-hmm. our own desires. We're hearing mm-hmm. our own passion and we're calling it the voice of God outside of the context of a foundation of scriptural fidelity mm-hmm. because we really are more committed to us than we believe. Our agenda. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that is the thing. That's why he says, um, you know, he, we, we have to be willing to lose our lives, right? Whoever yeah. wants his life for my sake will save it. But whoever tries to save his life will lose it. Mm-hmm. So what does it look like to live with reckless, holy abandon for God? Mm-hmm. Um, and and for him to really have lordship, right? Mm-hmm. For him to really have lordship over your life means for him to be the operator, the ruler, the controller, the CEO. Yeah. yeah. And and I think too often we're treating God like a consultant. Mm-hmm. We want his opinion mm-hmm. so that we can make an informed decision about what we're going to do anyway. Mm. We're going to let that sit right there. That one's got to sit. Right. <laughs> so he's going to either be he Ooh, gonna be yeah. more of a consultant. Mm-hmm. That's it. Is he Christ or is he your consultant? Mm-hmm. So we're asking for God to suggest stuff, not command stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. And I think that that's just part of the no, fact. That- I better be hearing this. <laughs> <laughs> like what well, you said very, very um, um, truthfully that we have idols. You know what I mean? We have idols mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Um, we have things that we don't. Some and sometimes we don't really realize that they're an idol, mm-hmm. right? Yes, ma'am. Still, God calls us to live without it. Yes, ma'am. So whatever you're not willing to live without, whatever you don't think you can manage without, um, you have put that mm-hmm. in God's place. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we have. I mean, we literally have this whole journey to even you putting yourself in a position of what was the journey to getting to a position of intentionally discipling women in the Mm -hmm. local church. Like that's a whole thing in and of itself. How do we posture ourselves and really surrender Mm -hmm. to even be in that position where Mm -hmm. now we have sort of this call and this responsibility to be um, producing discipleship discipleship, uh, models and disciples in the context of the local church. Mm -hmm. Um, So, I mean, talk to us about like, when you were now like sort of in that position, where did you see, what did you see were the unique needs of discipleship, particularly in the urban context? And then maybe like, did you encounter resources that kind of didn't meet those needs and y'all had to sort of pivot? Talk to us about that. Okay. Um, so yeah. And if I, if I get off track, y'all bring me back, right? <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. <laughs> it's all, when I say it's literally all good, <laughs> it's all good. Um, so, yeah, I do think that, um, well, one of the things I want to first start by saying, and I'm sure you all have talked about this, given even the name of what it is that you do, is really what is it, how do we define urban? Mm-hmm. Yes. Think of what is an urban need. I think mistakenly, when people think urban, they think Black, poor, mm-hmm. inner city, yep. you mm-hmm. know, uh, that's School what kind of mm-hmm. connotations of urban where urban is really like the, the city. It's a the culture. Yes. Education and ideas and creativity. Yes, ma'am. Yes. It's, it's, it's like, and, and it's also represents, it doesn't mean that it can't have those other elements. Mm-hmm. Right. But urban represents everything is heightened. Mm-hmm. Everything, there's, there's diversity and there is, and there is often depression, but it is, 
it is on another level. So culture's on another level. Poverty's mm-hmm. on another level. Mm-hmm. Mental health issues and needs are on another level. Yep. Economic, even high and low. Yes. Another, they're extremes. Mm-hmm. Everything in the urban context you see in extremes. And so I think kind of defining urban mm-hmm. accurately is helpful because when people say I'm doing urban ministry, if mm-hmm. you know your context well, then what you will do is end up inadvertently t- turning into a, a, a colonizer. Mm. You think what you're coming to do is to have a mission field to people you think are empty. And Come on. Being broke doesn't mean they're empty. Come on now. Right? Come, and, come, and, come and with that's grandmother's that's great man. Okay, somebody that's that's poor, that's poor in their pocket doesn't mean that they're that they are poor in 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 Christ because yes. there are some people in these urban contexts that'll pray you up under the table. Come on now. It's people, it's people in, in poverty that have a robust prayer life that know God, that yes. know his word. These are these are people who don't have economic resources sometimes, mm-hmm. but they have deep spiritual resources. Come on now. resources. Or there are things like creativity and yes, like ma'am. Like the millennials are thriving. This is where people are highly educated or highly undereducated. So the yes. definition and knowing where you are and who's around is imperative. One of the needs, just to start there, is I think sometimes the people that serve in these contexts are are being bust in. Mm. And so when you're not mm. a part of the community and if what you do is you drive into church, mm-hmm. into the community you want to serve, and I'm not saying everybody has to move, but I am saying that if you are bust in, you have to know you have to catch up mm-hmm. and do some other work and that mm-hmm. there is a mindset and a lifestyle that you are not connected to. Mm-hmm. So you have mm-hmm. to work harder to know the people. Mm-hmm. Yes, ma'am. Harder to know the community. Um, so I think one of the things is just training and an awareness of our context is often the first need for the people who call themselves trying to meet needs. Mm-hmm. Like, do you even know the people? And, and, and oftentimes people don't do research. So one of the needs of the urban context is for people who want to serve in the urban context to not make up what they think the needs are. Come based on. on. Their gifts, based on their strengths, based on what they think will be cute or what mm-hmm. they think will look good on paper. But have you just done some basic research of a 15-mile radius? Mm-hmm. Have you done some research on, like, who lives here? What is the, 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 the value of the homes? You know, what is the education? Are there single parents in these neighborhoods? Just, like, what's, what are the um, educational institutions mm-hmm. in the neighborhoods that make up your urban context? We have to do some research, and mm-hmm. we have to not, do, like, draft needs. Right. We have to discern needs. We have to yes, ma'am. Did y'all catch that? Yeah. You got to say that one more time. We don't, Mm -hmm. we need to discern, not draft, not draft them. So, and so I think, so when, so I may be answering the question initially in a way that you don't think to answer normally, but I think we think what are the needs for people? And I'm saying there are a lot of needs that we have to discern and deal with in the church Mm -hmm. for people who want to serve because we'll be serving a miss. Mm. We won't just be serving from an informed place. And when you lack information, you don't Mm -hmm. serve with compassion, Mm. you don't serve with integrity, Mm. you serve with authenticity, and people can feel that, right? Mm -hmm. People can feel that. Talk to us about that. What is that? What is sort of the collateral damage that you're talking about that we can, as the church, avoid if we do that 
um, Colon, almost like a form of colonizing. Right, right, right. It is colonizing uh, us, inserting what we have onto them. Yeah. Versus yeah, that, yeah, ex- yeah. instead of gleaning and then discerning how the Lord wants uh, us mm-hmm. to be used. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So well, when we're not serving from an informed place, what is that? What is the collateral damage of that? What is? I think it lacks trust. It, it creates a lack of trust between you and the community. Mm-hmm. Um, it feels fake. Mm-hmm. And inauthentic, it makes God seem uh, uh, programmed and formulaic mm-hmm. versus um, sincere and organic at times. Mm-hmm. Um, and it and it makes ministry like checkoff points. I mean, a, 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 an example would be if I only had daughters and I didn't have a son, mm-hmm. and then people dropped off clothing to me, said, we wanted to help you, and they brought me a bunch of boy clothes. What I'm saying is you don't even know me. Mm-hmm. So you brought me something <laughs> because you thought it was a good idea to bring me some, but you don't even know. I don't even have a boy. I don't have, no, no, I can't no, no, use no. this. Right, right. And so what is it that people I need? can't use this. Right, right. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I think the church has to discern that we know that there are, there's a human condition mm-hmm. and we all need certain things because we're just born in sin and shaped in iniquity. Mm-hmm. So some things all of us need. And I don't care if you live in a mansion or a row house or yes, ma'am. we all need basic things that only God can give and that the mm-hmm. church is supposed to be shepherding and discipling in. Mm-hmm. But then there are also other practical needs. Um, so for instance, one of the main things that I often see is, there are a lot of unaddressed mental health issues, right? Mm-hmm. And 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 those are heightened because of stress. We live in an environment, there's mm-hmm. an environment where sometimes there's food scarcity, there is crime or violence is heightened. I mean, even just like there's a lot of noise, mm-hmm. people more are compacted and living on top of each other. Mm-hmm. Sometimes there's less access to like open land and yes. And so if you're like, so if you're trying to plan an activity in an urban context that is outdoorsy, but you haven't considered, there's no place to set up the volleyball court, y'all. We got to, maybe y'all need to plan double I mean, dust. looking for green space. Y'all need to like, plan where double can my kids play? So, there's no net, there's no grass where nobody's going to drive 10 miles to go hiking. So what, so how do you meet the needs of the community based on the resources and the resources limitations? Of, yeah, yeah. So what do we have? Yeah. What do we have? Yeah. What do yeah. we have? And, and, so, and what I hear you saying, even with that posture of, well, let's use what we have is also instilling not eat, not just this perpetual sense of, oh, if I live in the city, then I don't have, mm-hmm. right? Like if I'm always driving out, then I'm thinking about what there's I don't beauty, have. There's if goodness, I'm always, right? You know what I mean? Are, yeah. If right. I'm always having to be resources and I'm resourced, then I'm always thinking about what I don't have mm-hmm. instead of sort of posturing like, what do you do have? Let's capitalize and highlight the wealth that is there. And then enrich off of that. So yeah, and I think even things that we tend to think are positives have um, a side to them that needs to be loved on and worked through. So if you're talking about a, a highly dense population, um, maybe people don't have access to cars. They're constantly on transportation. Mm-hmm. They're working hard. They're tired. We, we live. One of the things you notice in the urban context too is we live in a very hustle. Get yours. Mm-hmm very driven, you know, uh, workaholic mm-hmm. environment. We, we live in an environment where, you know, people, people either are uh, committed to learning 
Um, and so they're students. And so like achievement is a big deal, mm-hmm. but that comes with a level of stress mm-hmm. or, or it's, you see a lot of things concentrated in that environment that everybody wants to be an entrepreneur. Everybody wants to start a business. And so, but people often lack the humility, the fundamentals, the discipline around what it actually takes to get to that place. And so it is a very competitive environment at times. Mm-hmm. It is a very tiresome, gruesome environment. And so one of the things, even in the urban environment for people who make good money and have good jobs, they don't know how to say. Mm-hmm. They don't know how to rest. Mm-hmm. They can don't I, know how to hu- not hustle. Mm-hmm. Can I te- can I just testify about about you uh, just for one second? And I and I'm telling y'all the person who is that we are interviewing, Dr. Sarita, is modeling this. Mm-hmm. When we were emailing your assistant, she said, "Listen, Dr. Dr. Sarita has a hard a hard cutoff at this time every day. You know what? I know we said Saturday, Dr. Sarita does not work on the week. This is for her family time. And I said, this woman is discipling through her modeling. Mm. I said, because people, especially in the church, we not only fill our schedule up, but then we'll overtax ourselves at the church and overextend ourselves. And then we ain't got nothing to pour out on nobody because we got an empty well. I'm going to be quiet. But I just had to give God... Just glory for your, give him praise for your example in modeling that because it is, it is so driven and we don't know boundaries of when to stop. Yeah. As yeah. if it all, it, it really is revealing. We don't, we don't, it feels as if it's all on us and ain't nothing on you. Uh, anyway, go ahead. Yes, I'm going to let you finish. True. Thank you so much for that. Um, compliment and encouragement. And I think even practically, I disciple my assistant. And so part of, I mean, so anyone that I'm walking with, they're close to me, mm-hmm. meaning discipleship for me isn't let's meet at or five o'clock on Saturday and that's our discipleship time. It's life and living. And life so and living. part of how, mm-hmm. so even in those decisions, that's teaching, mm-hmm. right? Because mm-hmm. the disciple is it's a student. It's a, we'll, we'll probably talk about that in a minute, but, but it is true. I think the problem with the hustle and bustle culture is that our identity is wrapped up in what we do and not who we are. Mm. And so that's why one of the things you see heightened in this, in in urban context is a misunderstanding and application even of grace. Mm. Um, Because we are taught that we have to work for love. We have to work for uh, um, acceptance. Mm. We have to work for validation. Mm. You know, so everything is about working. And so the idea of resting in God, the idea of Sabbath, the idea of filling up your tank with things that only God can give you and mm-hmm. even trusting him. Mm-hmm. Like even, because th- we have to have a robust, a biblical apologetic, even around work and rest. Mm-hmm. Right. So we're called to do everything with excellence. Right. Whatever you do in work or deep, do yes. all the glory of God mm-hmm. it says, you know, you know, arise, you slacker says, go look at the ant, you know, and do what the ant does. So God is not calling for people. Trifle It's not rest and Sabbath is not being trifling. Come on. <laughs> okay. And so, and so in this generation, I hesitate to even say the thing about rest. I, I, I hate almost now that self-care word because self-care has become the new buzz phrase for get out of my face. I don't want to serve and I don't want to work. <laughs> and people are resting from rest. Disciple well, God rests from don't work. Don't rest from rest though. Don't rest God from rest, rest though. He, he rest worked from work. Then Ooh. he rested 
And now we are addicted to rest because we don't want to serve. We don't want to sacrifice. So we are all, we got memberships to spas that we got, we, we paying for. And we're always in vet, like it's because we're still using up to 24 hours. Mm-hmm. What, what I notice we do is when mm-hmm. we say we need to rest, we always cut down our spiritual stuff. Mm. fill it up with other non-essential things Mm -hmm. not even resting because if what you said is i needed to rest but you were on tiktok for four hours Mm. and that's not is that rest Mm. ma'am that's soul rest ma'am right and so we need to even learn what rest looks like and and sabbath even people need to be discipled around that because sabbath doesn't necessarily mean i need to sleep sometimes it means i need to sleep but sometimes it means i need to play Mm-hmm. Sometimes mm-hmm. Sabbath is like I don't want people to think that when I say I'm off, that means I'm in the bed. Mm-hmm. What I'm doing is having fun, yes, right? and doing things that I enjoy. And we have to also understand that if, like, for the urban context, if it's work, if it's technology, if it's business, if it's meetings, if it's all of that all day long, part of how you need to rest is the exact opposite of that. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. right. So you need mm-hmm. to do things that are going to nourish your soul, maybe more in nature. Mm-hmm. You're going to need to do things where you spend more time alone because you're always with people. So we do need to have an element of Sabbath that is distinctly separate from what we do in our busy life. Mm-hmm. And I know we're supposed to be talking about Sabbath, but I'm talking about discipleship. Yes, in every area of yes. life. Yeah. Yes. Fundamentally, it has to be informed by the word of God. Mm-hmm. And I think that uh, one of the things that we misunderstand about discipleship is that it is a buddy system. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is not. And we have um, undermined or not valued the Christian education aspect of discipleship. Mm-hmm. It's supposed to be rooting our faith. Everything yes, ma'am. That we say, everything that we do, the choices that we make have to be seen from a Christian worldview. What is the lens through which we are deciding and mm-hmm. living and choosing, whether it's who we marry, whether it's who we're friends with, whether it's what job we take, whether it's how we spend our time. And people who are biblically illiterate have an ill-formed decision. Mm. And so if discipleship mm. is not uh, shoring up the foundation of your biblical faith, yeah, that is not the foundation of discipleship. Then what we have, we've spiritualized buddy systems. Mm-hmm. Right? I, I literally had a young lady, and bless her heart, I, I think she was well intentioned, but she didn't understand what she was requesting years ago. And I don't do the one-on-one discipleship much anymore, based on my role and position at the church. Mm-hmm. And, and I can talk more about how I do discipleship. Mm-hmm. But she literally said to me, Doctor Sarita, I would love for you to disciple me. Mm-hmm. We don't have to talk about the Bible. I just would like to go do uh, um, pottery with you or like painting with a twist or so really what she was saying is she wanted relationship with mm-hmm. you. Right? She trying to be a friend. Out. Mm-hmm. A friend. And there's a place for that, but that's mm-hmm. not discipleship. Mm-hmm. That's not the full picture mm-hmm. of discipleship. And so the church has to find a way. Uh, people who are committed to discipleship have to find a way where we have a balance of both Christian education and community engagement. Mm-hmm. So if we relegate discipleship to small groups um, and we're not measuring whether the outcomes of the small group are impacting our Christian education, then we may have great opportunities for fellowship and Christian dialogue, but it's not building our faith. It's not building our understanding of doctrine and the fundamentals of the faith. Mm -hmm. And so 
Mm-hmm. Learning can happen in those small environments, but it can't be the main place. Mm-hmm. And then there needs to be places where Christian education happens, where some fellowship happens. But the central reason for us being in this particular environment is for Christian education. Mm-hmm. So both. Mm-hmm. And holistic discipleship for the whole person. Ladies, if you're enjoying the ministry and content of The Urban Christian Woman, would you take a minute to write a review and give us a rating on iTunes? Our goal is to get truth into the hands of urban women. You can help us by leaving even a one-sentence review and some stars. This simple act will help increase our visibility for more women to find this podcast and resources to help equip them in their everyday lives. So girl, what you waiting for? Just go ahead and do it right now. And if you haven't yet, join our community on social media. You can find us on Instagram at The Urban Christian Woman, Facebook, The Urban Christian Woman, and on our website, which is theurbanchristianwoman.com. That's exactly where I was going. I was like, she is talking about holistic discipleship. Will you talk to us about that? And then talk to us about how you actually disciple. Mm-hmm. Um, what if, if we were being discipled by you, what does that look like? Yeah, so holistic discipleship for me is, you know, not cherry picking needs, uh, topics, um, or, or like... Um, or making it just about one thing. I, I think like when I look at holistic discipleship, it should hit a, a, a few central categories. So one, I talked about it before, there needs to be Bible, right? There needs to be Christian education. Mm-hmm. I think an important part of discipleship, there has to be training and fundamental beliefs and doctrine because we have to know what we believe and why we believe it, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I also believe that there needs to be a community fellowship, um, doing life with people, aspect of discipleship, but then there also needs to be a missional aspect, Mm -hmm. right? Because what we're not trying to do is be obese Christians Mm -hmm. um, in spiritually obese Christians. And what I mean by that is um, like, so we watch, we are, you know, everybody's watching on Instagram and you see people who have all these exercise channels and things like that. And so I remember there was this one woman I was watching on Instagram and she, her body was like snatched, tight, mm-hmm. muscles, everything. And mm-hmm. so I went on there, you know, cause that's what we do. We watched like, what's she doing? Mm-hmm. And I looked at her diet and I was like, how in the world is this woman who is cut and tight like that eating all of this food? This woman ate a ton of food. And then, you know how you got them little things? But then I watched her workout Mm. Uh and her workout was so ridiculously intense. Intense. She did so much physical activity. Mm -hmm. Mm. Her life could, could handle the huge intake because she worked it off. And what I believe happens in the church is we are getting so much Bible intake, but we're not working it off. There's no, there's no mission. There's no giving, there's no giving of the life away. So we are becoming like biblically, like stalwarts in our head, Mm. all this theology, but no incarnation. Mercy. Was eating and running, Mm -hmm. right? We're supposed to walk out our faith. We're supposed to run our weight race. Yes, ma'am. Lift up our cross. Mm-hmm. And so if you do the weight of the living of the Christian, all of that knowledge, don't become spiritually obese. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we need both. We mm-hmm. need both. We need mm-hmm. both. Whew. 
go ahead, go ahead. You, I'm I'm taking all of that in because I know. this is counsel. That this that is honestly wisdom, is a wisdom of analogy. God in here it, it, today. It, I know He is meeting us. I know. Woo. I know. I mean, the, I mean, just to even encompass when you talk about holistic discipleship, just to even encompass that outward facing element is something that I think you uniquely bring up. Like we, we know that that's necessary. We don't hear it all the time. That's right. And so I appreciate you highlighting that. So talk to us about what, what does that look like for the women that you disciple? Yeah. So I, I, so one of the things that I think we need to have in the church is a paradigm shift around discipleship. Okay. I think that we are stuck sometimes in thinking about discipleship um, in the Paul Timothy sort of way, mm-hmm. right? But the original model that Christ laid out for us was one group discipleship. He called a group of 12 men, but then there were lots of other people that were also his disciples that mm-hmm. followed him. Mm-hmm. So you're a follower of Christ. Yeah. You're a student of Christ. When he sat down on the, um, on, on the mountain for the Sermon on the Mount, he did not just talk to 12. Mm-hmm. Lots of people. There were lots of students, right, sitting there mm-hmm. learning. And mm-hmm. so I think one of the biggest things that I even had to shift in my mind is lim- limiting discipleship to one-on-one interactions. And because what that does is it uh, it fuels the super saint thing. Mm-hmm. Everybody wants to find the one woman mm-hmm. who they want to, pull from and learn from and spend time with. And so, but, but people, and sometimes people want people more than God. And so my thing is I'm supposed to be pointing you to Jesus. And so people really want, people want people, the super saint, the deepest spiritual woman, the person they think can teach, the person they think has a good family and husband situation. And, and we often want to pick disciple makers based on how we want to live our own life. Mm-hmm. So, so mentorship, if you got a job thing, you want to mentor, get a mentor. But discipleship is about this person coming alongside you for Christ formation. Mm-hmm. For us to look less like ourselves and more like Christ. So, sanct- so sanctification has three stages. The first stage is justification. That's the moment of salvation. Yeah. We're signed, sealed, and delivered. Mm-hmm. But then, and then the last stage is glorification mm-hmm. when we get our new bodies and live eternally with mm-hmm. God. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. In between is the progressive sanctification. Right? That's from the moment of your new life in Christ all the way until Jesus comes back for you. That is where the work of Christ formation begins. So we go from spiritual death to spiritual life, justification. Then we go from spiritual infancy to spiritual maturity. And that is what the role of of discipleship has to be a part of. And discipleship is not a relationship you have with someone. Mm-hmm. It's the whole mission of the church. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Come on. The church Go make disciples. He didn't say, Peter, mm-hmm. go get you somebody and disciple them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He didn't say, Matthew, go get you somebody and disciple them. The call for the church is to make disciples. And so if we, if we have that paradigm shift, we stop only centering discipleship around spiritual mom, spiritual dad, in a very like one-on-one type of right, way. Right, right. That means you don't have that. I do believe that there are some, so, so I wanted to just lay that as the foundation mm-hmm. that every ministry 
in the church, everything that is happening in the church should have the mission of discipleship. Mm-hmm. People are being discipled when they sit under the preach word. Mm-hmm. The foundational way that our faith is supposed to be formed, right? Right. You know, how, how shall they hear without a preacher, mm-hmm. right? They come by hearing and mm-hmm. hearing by the word of God. So, but but if you're in, if you're doing a worship, that's a form of discipleship. If you're in um, gendered specific ministry, mm-hmm. men's ministry is a mm-hmm. form of discipleship. Mm-hmm. Women's ministry is a form of discipleship. If you're in a service ministry, that working out of a pantry ministry or whatever, discipleship has to be in all of these areas. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons why people miss or forfeit their opportunity to be discipled, like people say, I've never been discipled. I've never been discipled. And I say, well, do you go to women's ministry? Do you do you serve in any these other capacities? Do you do any of these things? Mm-hmm. Don't think of discipleship more holistically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we're not receiving the benefit of all the different ministries of the church. And so mm-hmm. that is number one. Um, I do think that there are times when you can have very specific and time-limited focus forms of discipleship. Mm-hmm. And so because I think it's education and it's also like often station in life. I think you can have discipleship classes mm-hmm. on fundamentals of the faith. I think you can have discipleship classes on doctrine. I think you can mm-hmm. have classes on parenting, mm-hmm. I think you can have discipleship classes on living as a single. You can have all of these different kind of tailored classes, but they need to be informed and created, not by what do people say they want, but discerning prayerfully what do people need mm-hmm. and how does the bible inform what people actually need mm-hmm. so for me personally in this stage of the game um because I'm the women's ministry leader and my job is to really disciple and care for all the women of the church I don't do like one on one discipleship okay but, but I also pastor mason gave me some great great wisdom and he kind of related it to his life like as a pastor if people call him and say you know, pastor, I've, God laid it on my heart for me to, uh, for you to disciple me or things like that. One of the things he started saying he learned and discerned about his own life is that he is called more so to pour into people who are doing specifically some of the things he's doing. Mm-hmm. So he's mm-hmm. a church planner. Mm-hmm. So he disciples church planners who he discerns God has brought to him to disciple. Mm-hmm. He has other ministers and pastors specifically at the church that he disciples leaders like that. So for me, I look at it now in the women that I bring closer to me. Um, if I'm a painter and they're called to be a carpenter, I might not be the best person, mm-hmm. right? Because the the resources that I have and the way in which I want to do life with you are about also bringing you alongside of some of the work of ministry that I'm doing. Mm-hmm. So number one, even though I do schedule time to meet with people, right? Because I do think um, it's not just an information dump. It's getting to know the person, right? Mm-hmm. I think some of the mistakes I've even made in my own life um, in walking with people is that because I'm a teacher and I love the word of God, I can, I can be like, I could just teach all day and I could just go through the Bible. We could just talk about the Bible. And one of the things the Lord had to show, and I'll let me read you this scripture. Yes. Mm-hmm. Really teach us, teach what us. God, God showed me. So in First Thessalonians, right? Chapter mm-hmm. two. This scripture revolutionized how I think about discipleship. First Thessalonians chapter two, verse seven. Um, the Bible says, although we could have been a burden as Christ's apostles, instead we were gentle among you 
as a nurse nurses her own children. Mm -hmm. We cared so much for you that we were pleased to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our very very lives. lives. Mm -hmm. You had become dear Dear to us. us. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. it's gospel and it's my life. It's gospel and it's the ministry that I'm a part of. So Mm -hmm. a huge part of how I spend time with people is organically working with them in ministry. Mm -hmm. And so the, like right now, the group of young ladies that I'm discipling are all a part of the um, the biblical scholarship team because as the leader of the women's ministry, one of my primary roles is the teaching ministry of the ministry. And then also, but I also disciple the other leaders. Mm-hmm. So part of building and unleashing and empowering the other women on the leadership team um, is to also walk with them, disciple mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean we have to like sign a contract I just kind of know that my role in their lives mm-hmm. is to care about who they are, mm-hmm. like what's going on in their life. When when I meet with them, we're not just talking about the next task of ministry. Mm-hmm. I want to know how they're doing. I want to know where they're hurting. I want to know what their questions are. I want to know what, what happened at work. So it's life. And also me sharing my own life. Some of the, I think, most powerful parts of discipleship have been just me even sharing my mistakes. Mm-hmm. My failures, like I remember I was telling um, some of the ladies, I was like, you know what? I said something off to someone and it was wrong. And I was so grateful that that person called me. Um, but because of power differential, I could tell that the way the girl called me, she was just questioning like, well, Dr. Sarita, did you mean this when you said it? And I immediately recognized that what I had said was hurtful mm-hmm. and appropriate. And I can be sarcastic and joke. And so I know I can I can go there with that. And so I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. I apologize. But not only did I apologize to her, I was telling the, the young ladies, I said, I said, who was around when I said this to you? Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying this to toot my own horn. I'm talking about sharing my life with you. Yeah, yeah. And I said, you know, I, I reached out to everybody that was an earshot of mm. an inappropriate comment that I made to her. So that I could also confess mm-hmm. and apologize to them. And the point that I was trying to make is Oof. when we apologize, like this is how you have to do it. And that leaders fail. Yeah. Leaders make much. See, the point yeah. is I want her mm-hmm. to know I'm a person. Mm-hmm. I'm doing Christ too. Yes. I'm raggedy. And yes. I'm following me because I'm Jesus. Mm-hmm. Because I'm in love with Jesus and I'm following Jesus. Mm-hmm. And even if I'm a little further along in the game than you or know a little bit more or older or whatever, the bottom line is Christ is still being formed in my own life. Mm-hmm. And that just because I'm the lead teacher doesn't mean I can't apologize. Doesn't mm-hmm. mean I don't make mistakes. Mm-hmm. I'm also wanting to raise up people that not just know the word, but know how to have the word operate in their lives. Mm-hmm. How to live with humility. Right? Yes. How to surrender to God. How to care for people's souls. Yes. How to be honest about your own faults and your mm-hmm. own sin nature. Mm-hmm. And not to be afraid to confess it. Because I'm not trying to pass for perfect. That And I mean, so we, I can teach a whole book of the Bible. But being able to say stuff, I'm giving my life away. We desire to give our life away because you had become so dear to us. Right. Mm. You got to spend time with people for them to become Mm -hmm. dear to you. Mm -hmm. Like I can give you the gospel, but will I give you me? Yes. Will I give you me? 
That's mm-hmm. so good. That's so good. Thank you for that. Dr. Sarita, I want to turn to the culture a little bit because I know y'all, you all are a church that does it for the culture. And so we want to um, just really mm. tap into your wisdom and experience in just the, the relationship between the church and Black urban culture. And specifically, like the way that the church has related to Black urban culture, from your experience, do you think that that has helped or hindered discipleship in the urban context? I mean, we're talking about everything from the music to just the way that it's been shaped through family relationships and and sort of, um, you know, multi-generational dynamic and all of that, that, that shapes Black urban culture. Like, what do you see is the relationship between the church and Black urban culture that maybe either helps or hinders um, right, the, the objective of discipleship. Yeah, so are you talking about the Black church or are you talking about the, the whole ecclesia, the church? I mean, feel free to take us on the whole ride. Well, because my answer would in many ways be different. I think one of the major issues of Black culture in general because of the oppression and degradation that we have experienced historically in the world and also at the hands of people professing Christianity Mm -hmm. is that one of the fundamental issues we all struggle with is dignity. Mm -hmm. And so the, the good that the black church has done, I will start there is knowing have a heightened sensitivity to the issues of dignity for black people. I mean, Mm -hmm. I grew up in a black church and let me just tell you, um, one of your questions was, when did you first hear about discipleship? Like the, the word and the concept and the way I think about discipleship now is, to be honest, um, I'm in my mid-40s, is a very new idea. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think in the old church, we called it mentorship, mm-hmm. or it just happened and mm-hmm, nobody called mm-hmm. it. It just happened in the kitchen while y'all were cooking. Yeah, yeah. I, yes, I yes. circles and everybody yes. talking about life on life and disciple and coming alongside. Ain't You're like, that's just that. grandma. I'm like, what? come alongside somebody and walk in the way and all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, I grew up in a church where just people spent time mm-hmm. where people checked on you, where, where if you got A's on your report card, they, they stuck some money in you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you weren't acting right. They pulled you to the side and talked to you. They, they mm-hmm. encouraged you when you sang, they, they had um, black history month programs and mm-hmm. Easter programs and mm-hmm. children get up and memorize scripture and mm-hmm. their Easter part. And, and so, and, and we had VBS you know, mm-hmm. so there was a culture of trying to not only shepherd people in the word of God, but build dignity mm-hmm. in black people. Yes, and ma'am. In the black church is where I learned that God was a God that loved me. Yes. Right. And that it was okay to be black. It was okay mm-hmm. to be a black girl. It was okay to have my hair the way it is or to have friends of different shades. And, and so I think that that is one of the benefits of the black church and the black church always, always was on mission. Mm-hmm. It had to be because it wasn't it, like people, it wasn't like, let's go over into that. We lived in communities where there were poverty, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. We lived in communities where there were un- un- unemployment struggles. We lived mm-hmm. in communities where registering people to vote was a necessity. Yes, ma'am. It wasn't just like cute. It wasn't a photo op. Mm-hmm. Like, so, so, so cleaning up the community was a necessity or wouldn't nobody clean it. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Up on Saturday and scrub baseboards and play gospel music. And mm-hmm. you went to the church on Saturday and had Saturday enrichment and did Bible study and played jacks and go Take the whole picture. That's all. Come on back. 
Yes. Right. That's all discipleship. Memorize this. Yes. So, so, but there was dignity with it. There were, there were pageants and, you know, black church, we did all this stuff. We got dressed up and had. Oh yeah. So, so what I'm saying is that there was intentionality because of necessity Mm -hmm. for for dignity Mm -hmm. for, for, for being a Christian who was black and walked with their head up and and were dignified. Mm -hmm. Um, So what I will say is a problem of the church because now I'm not talking about the black church, I'm talking about mm-hmm. the church, is that I believe, especially for women, I'll talk about women right now, is that we have, one, not fully embraced racism as a sin that needs to be responded to by the gospel. Come on. Mm-hmm. And so if we are not dealing with the sin of racism, then mm-hmm. we're not even aware of how insidious racism is operating in our own church because it's in our own heart. Yeah. And so I think we've done a disservice to black people in that way and the community because racism hurts everybody. Yes. Black people in that discipleship is uh, whitewashed. Mm-hmm. And so there has been a biblical whitewashing of discipleship so that the, so that white nor is normed as right. Mm. White, white ways, ways of being, white ways of thinking, white images of what is spiritual and godly. Come and so on. Women are discipled to, um, yes, they're using the scripture, but mm-hmm. it's done in a way that invalidates the existence and mm-hmm. the weakness of the black woman. Mm-hmm. And so a prime example is, are there any black women allowed to teach mm-hmm. in multi-ethnic congregations? Mm-hmm. Uh, when we talk about discipleship experiences, is there a place for the single woman mm-hmm. or the single mother? Mm-hmm. Are there leadership opportunities? When we think about worship and, and things around decorum, is the African in us being beat out of us? Because if we loud and shouting and screaming mm-hmm. and being all around bunctious, and if we want to run around the church, is that godly? Mm. Is there room in this church to embrace and embody everything about That's me? That's it. Both Christian and mm-hmm. African. Yes. Like when, when I go to women's ministry and they and they flash up pictures and flyers of of what a godly woman is, or any black people in those mm-hmm. pictures. Mm-hmm. Come on. Because if you even Google biblical womanhood, you'd have to scroll for a little while before you. Y'all, I Man. apologize. We all just threw our pens. So. so so what I'm saying is the disservice has been Mercy. not necessarily see, mm-hmm. see people don't think racism's existing if they don't have their literal foot on your neck. Mm-hmm. You are not in literal change, but racism has impacted discipleship, mm. um, not in domination, but in ignoring. Yes. And, mm. and, and the white man is considered the prototypical white, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And male. Mm-hmm. And the white woman is considered the prototypical woman. And mm-hmm. then the, the prototypical black is the black man. Mm-hmm. So the, the black woman is rendered metaphorically invisible. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. one of the things with discipleship that we have to deal with is racism. The other thing we have to deal with discipleship is sexism. And so mm-hmm. I think that in the local church, we haven't really appreciated and dealt with how sexism is pervasive in our society mm-hmm. and also in our church and how we often limit the roles and opportunities and educational uh, mm-hmm. opportunities for women because there are many churches, not the one I go to, but there are many churches that think the role of a woman is children's ministry, hospitality, mm-hmm. and are y'all going to have some, some snack for us? Mm-hmm. 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 Woo! Mm-hmm. 
And that's hospitality. An inappropriate picture of the gospel. That's an inappropriate Call it what it is, doctor. And so if my woman wow. can't show, if, if I see God dealing with women and, 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 and Christ using women and God calling women in all of these major ways that are essential and necessary yes. and beautiful and, and part of the redemptive picture and story mm-hmm. in the church, I'm treated as if somehow I am a second class citizen, mm-hmm. then I am not being disciple in the fullness of what even mm-hmm. God would have. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Come on. In the model that God himself put out. Yeah. Yeah. And we know, and I mean, just like with men, women, children, there are, I I am a woman, uh, that, that understands biblical authority. Mm -hmm. I understand that there are limitations. I understand that there are roles. Like we, I'm not sitting up on here on no feminist rant, but what I'm trying to say is that that is not the full expression. And we have unfortunately hid sexism and misogyny behind, uh, complementarianism. Come on. And so I'm not saying we got to have you back to talk to do a whole section on that. The pendulum, you know, like I agree that in our do me, let me live my life the way I want to live it. The pendulum to 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 correct Mm -hmm. oppressiveness and sexism, because that's real, too, Mm -hmm. has swung too far. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because yeah. I don't believe yeah. that yeah. women are called to pastor. Right? Yeah. I women are called to pastor. Yep. Uh, according to the uh, scripture in Timothy, but mm-hmm. I don't believe that that means that women can't do anything else. And right. So mm-hmm. if, if we only stick with that, mm-hmm. then and we only focus on that. If if women are just like we're only talking about keeping women out of the office of a pastor, mm-hmm. and if we're not actually looking at all of the deep, wonderful ways women are called to teach and be in ministry and mm-hmm. serve or teach in seminary or be on yes. missions and, and uh, grow, uh, grow curriculum and, and lead. Yes. And lead. Yes. And we see that in scripture. Mm-hmm. Yes. Someone doesn't have to be the pastor in order to still be a leader. Come on now. So I'm saying the pendulum has swung too far right where we've just been too permissive. Yeah. The pendulum and, and to correct it can also swing too far left and be restrictive. Yes. Mm-hmm. Part of what is important for discipleship is having a biblically accurate view of God and his heart for people. Yes. Informed by the scripture, not our preferences. Yes. Not our feelings. Yes. You no, know, because on both sides of the issues, we can be in our feelings. Yes. I'm saying let's just be in the book. Yes. A lot of our issues would be solved if we just said, well, what did God say? And the issue then is if you read what God says, you then now have the decision whether or not you're going to accept that. Or reject that. Mm-hmm. But we see all women, we see women all throughout redemptive history mm-hmm. being used by God, being a part of the redemptive plan. We see that there would have been no exodus mm-hmm. if there weren't the midwives. Come mm-hmm. on, somebody. It would have Come been on. like, like what Moses have done if there would have been no Sephora when God killed him because he didn't circumcise. So the point is we see all God. And then Jesus walked with all of these women. Mm-hmm. Come on. Women helping to plant churches. We see uh, Aquila and Priscilla. Come on. So, I mean, we see Deborah leading. We mm-hmm. see Miriam leading. Work. I mean, we see it all in the scripture. Yes. And and so when we talk about the, in, in, in Galatians that the dividing wall has been torn down, there's no longer male or female. He's not saying that he ended the uniqueness of women. He's talking about, I've, I've ended your your oppressive man yes. that yeah. you projected on women that I never told you to do. That I never told you to do. Mm, mm. 
Dr. Sarita, this is a whole, we didn't even know. You we were just straight know. up going to disciple us on how to even exist yes. in the church a, a, in an urban context. Yes. Those of us who desire to be um, discipling and, and being fruitful in this, con- I mean, it was, it's just, it's just good. So yeah. as you sort of, you mentioned, you're, we're talking a lot about women and the roles of women now, sort of as we turn to uh, the end of our time, will you... Um, highlight for us from your experience, how do you approach discipleship with the most vulnerable woman? Kind of as you spoke about the urban context is right, these heightened extremes, right? So even in, you're talking about the role and sort of the oppression of women in then in the urban context, right? That's heightened, mm-hmm. that's heightened. So how do you approach discipleship with those most vulnerable women, women who maybe have experienced abuse or trauma or domestic violence and that type of thing? Yeah. So going back to the paradigm shift of what discipleship is, I think the most vulnerable among us is a church issue, not a women's ministry issue, Mm -hmm. not a one woman's issue. And so the church has to um, be resourced, Mm -hmm. devote money, devote attention, devote time to how we help heal, restore, and, and walk with people who have really, really been injured. And one of the things in that is that we also accept our limitations. Mm -hmm. So discipling someone and walking with someone who's uh, experienced trauma doesn't mean that we are not their counselor. So it's very important to have great resources, great relationships Mm -hmm. with uh, clinical therapists and people that do this work, that are trained in this work, because Mm -hmm. trauma care Mm -hmm. is a specialization. And not all clinicians even know how to do trauma care. Mm -hmm. But what the church can do is be trauma-informed. So we need to know how to recognize Mm -hmm. it. We need to create safe places for people. You know, one of the things, um, and I'm so grateful for Pastor Mason and the elders at Epiphany, um, that that they're open and listen to me and want feedback and suggestions. But oftentimes things aren't reported. Because if women aren't pastors, there isn't a natural place to go. Yes. To talk about some of these things. Right. Yes. A lot of women, they love their pastor, but they don't want to sit down with their pastor right. and say, yeah. I was right. Crack open those yeah. things. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So we need to have empowered mm-hmm. women that we raise up and that we lay hands on and affirm as a person that um, is that has covering that has credentials mm-hmm. or that has at least been someone who is a trusted person of peace in the congregation. Mm-hmm. And we need to have many people that are like this so that there's a natural path. I think one of the hardships of discipleship, <laughs> especially with women is that if women don't occupy a lot of leadership roles in the church, when women need women, sometimes they don't know where to go. Right. Mm-hmm. Like looking around on Sunday or whatever, like who can I talk to? Mm-hmm. And the last person that read the Bible verse pretty good. We hope that that's a good one. Or that girl can really sing. I hope she knows something about She looks mother. spiritual. She, she looks spiritual. She, she had her hands up in the air. Ooh, yeah. Always yelling out, amen, and go ahead. Maybe she could help me. And so what I'm saying is people don't, but but it, it requires women to be elevated. Elevated. It requires women to Local be- Local church. Um, yes, ma'am. Be laid on them. It requires pastors to speak well of women, right? And it requires pastors to- train and equip women to do this work because everybody that's going to help these women not going to have a PhD in psychology. Come on. Right. We need to have a heart for people, a love for God and compassion and an ear. That's it. Mm -hmm. So I think that we need, that's one thing um, that's important to me. I think some of the other things that we can do, um, especially with people's counseling. And I did this when I was in private practice is talk about continuity of care. And what that means is sometimes when people come from a congregation 
that has been referred, I would always, you know, encourage the person who is someone at your church in leadership that you would be okay with signing a consent to release information. Mm -hmm. Bringing them into that circle. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They can be a part of your healing process Mm -hmm. because I only see you for this hour once a week. Mm-hmm. But these are people that you do life with. And every now and then, you know, we would have, I would encourage someone from the church to sit in on one of her counseling sessions so somebody else would know what was going on. Mm-hmm. So somebody else would be there as a support. Mm-hmm. So continuity of care, finding ways to work with clinicians. Mm-hmm. Um, I think other things that can be done, and I hear, um, we don't have one of these things at Epiphany at the moment, but I think we would move in this direction. But I see other churches doing this masterfully is having small groups that are de- that that are dedicated specifically for survivors mm-hmm. or just a place to talk. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't have to even be led by a therapist. Mm-hmm. I mean, the research shows that group therapy and peer-led counseling yeah. is extremely profitable and helpful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a place where it's okay to have brokenness, right? It's okay mm-hmm. to have fears. It's okay to hurt. Yeah, um, it's very important. I think sometimes resourcing people with with books. Mm-hmm. Um, other people sharing their stories, like I was just talking about before, like changing the mindset of the church to not pass for perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, other people talking about their stories and there being an openness about, you know, people's histories and past, mm-hmm. not feel so isolated and alone. Um, another thing that I think is very important, and I have been a part of situations like this, whether it was uh, sexual abuse or domestic violence, is empowering people to leave their abuser, mm-hmm. to go to the police, because mm-hmm. I think there's this mindset in the church that we're so committed to keeping marriages together, let no man tear them apart, mm-hmm. and unwittingly let people get their mm-hmm. hands mm-hmm. the wall, and we're trying to counsel them on how to stay, and what they need is counseling on how to go. Come on. So I think like that kind of stuff, um, mm-hmm. and giving people mm-hmm. an opportunity to just... Um, just talk. Uh, I know for me, sometimes the the, the trauma shows up. Um, it, they don't lead with it, but it comes out of just conversations when people feel safe, which mm-hmm. is natural. So just equipping the body on how to respond. I think it's important to have a process and a system in the church for if you get news, right? Mm-hmm. If you hear of something, mm-hmm. what is our process? Mm-hmm. How do we get them resources? Who's the person that gets called? Mm-hmm. Right? So person isn't the keeper of everybody's secrets. Yeah. So that one person isn't the person that's doing all the heavy lifting and go talk to sister so-and-so, but that they, but it is a community issue and there's a community commitment to health and wholeness and healing. Well, this is so good. This is so good. If, if you can give us one piece of wisdom, you want to leave us with one piece of wisdom um, before we end our conversation, what would that be around discipleship? How do you want to exhort our listeners today? And then afterwards, could you just close us out in prayer? I'm sure. Um, one of the, I'll just start with this scripture I wanted to read. So we're all familiar with it from Titus 2, but I think we have to read it slowly sometimes to hear the words, right? It says, but as for you, teach. The first thing he says, teach. Mm-hmm. And I want to just encourage people to not forsake um, developing your biblical acumen. The scripture talks about, by now, many of you should be teachers. Mm. But you cannot teach what you don't know. Mm. 
ever try to walk with someone and disciple someone from a very empty, sparse well of biblical knowledge, you will do yourself and them and the community a disservice. Mm -hmm. So in order to teach, you have to be a student. And sometimes that means we can't be addicted to devotionals. Sometimes we have to have days where we do dives. That little scripture that pop up on your screen every morning, your little you version. You version. Talk about it. She reads truth. All that stuff is beautiful, but it's got to be a supplement. Yeah. We can't live on vitamins. We have to live on food. Yeah. Vitamins supplement our diet, but we have to have a diet Mm -hmm. of the word of God. And I think in our culture, in our church culture, we help women believe that they can live off of devotionals. It says, thou cannot live on bread alone, but every word that proceeds. Come on. So we got to live off of this word. We got to live off of this word so then we can be like a cow and chew that thing, which is meditation, mm-hmm. get that thing down in one of them stomachs. And then when it's time, we can bring that curve back up and feed the young. Because mm-hmm. it says, we're supposed to teach what accords with sound doctrine. Mm-hmm. And then it's talking about the older women, likewise. They are to teach what is good <laughs> and mm-hmm. train. See, we're trying to train women and stuff and we're not teaching. Mm-hmm. The, the training is informed by the knowledge of God. Mm-hmm. The aim of discipleship is Christ. Mm-hmm. The aim, the aim, the energy, the fuel, the purpose, the intention, the goal is God. Mm-hmm. And if you don't know God, what are you giving anyone? Mm-hmm. Right? And then it goes on and says that the word of God may not be reviled. Mm-hmm. So let's not re- um, let the word of God be reviled. And, and I just want to encourage people to, no matter how old you are, no matter how old you are, mm-hmm. get to the fight. Start doing the work. Start doing the work. Don't play to your strengths. Like if you are a worship person, and you don't really lead the word, but you will fall out in the floor and roll around and foam at the mouth because that's how you get with God. Amen for that. We need that. We need those people. Mm-hmm. But you need to get in that word. And if you are all just into your word, but you don't ever talk to nobody, you are you are a top heavy Christian, but you weird because you just, you know, all the Greek, but you don't know no people. That's wrong. Mm-hmm. Right. And if you just serve, serve, serve in the church and you doing all this stuff in the church but you mm-hmm. out and you're not on mission, mm-hmm. you're, toenail. Mm-hmm. you're a puddle. The Bible says salt the earth, not mm-hmm. salt the church. Yeah. So we got to get outside of the walls of the church. We got to get into the community and walk in humility and, and own that you don't know everything. Mm-hmm. If you know the Bible, you don't necessarily know the community. Mm-hmm. So the Bible talks about the sons of Issachar. They knew the times. Mm-hmm. You got to know the times. You got to know the culture. Right. And God is not going to tell us all of that in the scripture. But he wants us to have wisdom and discernment to go out, spend time among people, learn so that then we can apply truth to these mm-hmm. people truth to the situation mm-hmm. wisdom is the is so we so we have the knowledge of god that's the acquisition of truth wisdom is the application of truth how do i use the truth but discernment is knowing when i apply the truth where mm-hmm. and so but all of that is fueled by our sitting and soaking up god's word right and then spreading it spreading ourselves giving ourselves away mm-hmm. For the mission of God's kingdom, mm-hmm. and I believe God will be honored and glorified, and His name will be made great, not ours. Amen. 
Amen. Will you pray for us? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, mm, God, I just thank you for this sweet time, this sweet opportunity. Yes, Lord. To talk about you, Lord God. There's nothing mm-hmm. more exciting than to think on you. Yes. The marvelous works, God, your love yes. for us. Thank you for your grace, your mercy. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord God, for ransoming our lives. Yes, Lord God, when we were sinking deep in sin, God, when we were surely going to spend an eternity separated from you, God. The word tells us that we were brought near by the blood. They mm-hmm. were far off were brought near by the blood. So thank you for bringing me close. Thank you, Lord God, for mm-hmm. yourself to us. I want to pray for these women. I want to pray for this mission. I want to pray for the urban Christian woman, Lord God. And I ask that you would bless them. Lord God, would you give them the resources they are praying for? God, would you give them the favor, Lord God? That's that's the grace to do what is humanly impossible. Mm-hmm. God, would you give that to them? God, would you give them help? Lord God, would you give them wisdom? Would you give them encouragement as they serve tirelessly over and over and over and over? God, would you revive their spirits and reignite mm-hmm. them with the mission that you call them to, Lord God? Whatever's mm-hmm. going on in their personal lives, Lord God, would you would you bless it, Lord God? Mm-hmm. Would you, Help them, Father God. Would you would you give them peace in situations where there's lacking peace, God? Mm-hmm. And I pray for every listener. God, I pray that your word went out and as promised will not return. Yes. But will accomplish mm-hmm. the purpose for which it was sent. God, every woman, and even if it's a man listening, Lord God, mm-hmm. would you just arrest their attention, God? Would you reveal yourself to them? Would you, If they're not even saved, Lord God, would they come into a knowledge of you? Would they surrender to you? Would they give their life over to you, Lord God? Mm-hmm. If there's a woman, if there's a person out there who feels like they're in a stagnant place, Lord, if they're in a valley, if they're in a desert, in a dry place, God, would they be revived through your word, Lord God? Would you give them the hope that is in you to press on and yes, press Lord. In? God, would you encourage them to not isolate themselves, but to use their life in service of others? Would they reach out to, to a young woman? Would they just ask them their name and build relationship with them? Mm-hmm. God, would they give themselves away? so that you would be honored. Yes. Pray, Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, we would not be women devoted to devotionals, but we would devote ourselves to doctrine, that we would devote ourselves to the same word of God. Yes, Lord. We would know it, Lord God, that yes, we would Lord. meditate on it, that we would yes, memorize Lord. it, that when we opened up our mouth, like the Proverbs 31 woman, wisdom and kindness would be on our lips. Yes. Would we be able to speak to dead things to live, Lord God? Mm-hmm. To speak shackles off of people's lives. Lord yes, God, Lord we God. Have prophetic words on our mouth yes, that are Lord. formed by scripture and yes, not pop Lord. culture, Lord God. Would we be prayer warriors in yes, the name Lord. of Jesus? In God? the name Would of we Jesus. Raise up mighty prayer warriors, Lord God. People who can get on their knee before yes, God. Lord. Stand before man, God. Would mm-hmm. you give us courage in the name of Jesus? In the name of Jesus. To not get weary in well doing, but to yes. get to press, God. Would you help us to lay down our privilege, Lord God? Yes, Lord. And to see other people and other people's needs. God, you said, feed my sheep, God. Yes. Would we be a people committed to feeding sheep Mm -hmm. wherever we go, Lord God? And would people who encounter us smell the sweet fragrance of Jesus Christ Mm -hmm. off of our lives? Yes, Lord. And would you get all the glory? Mm -hmm. Lord God, I ask that you change hearts and change minds and change situations. Mm -hmm. Lord God, you can do it suddenly. And Lord, those things that take time, massage that thing in us. Yes, Lord God. We go on a journey. Would we be committed to walking yes, with you? 
yes. and truth and righteousness. Would holiness not be a denomination? Mm-hmm. A call, Lord God, that we mm-hmm. grant hold of. Yes, Lord. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 Have a blessed day, ladies. Ladies, thanks so much for joining us on this week's episode. You can follow up with Dr. Sarita Lyons on social media, Instagram at Sarita Lyons, and on Twitter at Dr. Sarita Lyons. And don't forget to check out Dr. Eric Mason's forthcoming book, Urban Apologetics, Restoring Black Dignity with the Gospel. Dr. Sarita Lyons is a contributor to the book. It drops April 6th, so get your pre-orders now. And we'll see you next week. Join us for Discipling in Racial Justice with Elizabeth Woodson.